Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, no pressure, everyone. Hi, we're back. <laughs> we're back with series two of the Pure Talks. Um, and we've moved from Wednesdays to Tuesdays. I'm sorry about that. But now that we're not in lockdown, I do have a job on Wednesday that I have to go to. And normally I would be going to Eastbourne College on a Wednesday, but it is half term. So I'm not there this week out or next week because fractured my wrist. So can't drive. So that's rather inconvenient. So my guest today is Les Williams. Now, can you all tell me, can you see Les? Because at the moment, oh, there he is. He's just appeared on my screen. Yay. Because for a while in the green room, I couldn't see Les at all. I, he was just yellow. He looked like he got some deathly kind of disease. <laughs> I was at the champagne already. <laughs> You'd already been on the champagne celebrating the end of this talk. So, yeah, it is. Um, I'm really pleased to say that my guest today is Les and we can now see him with his lovely bookcase behind him. Uh, we think it was probably bandwidth and because everyone's still working from home, aren't they? And they're all using up the bandwidth at, at lunchtime, going on their social media and <laughs> checking their Instagram posts and everything. <laughs> all gets very clogged up over, over um, lunchtime. So, hello, Les. Les is an artist, for those of you who don't know, but he's also the esteemed president of the Society of Graphic Fine Art. With some lovely members. With some lovely members and some lovely council members. And some of your council members, I think, are um, live in the audience today on Crowdcast, so hopefully they'll have some questions. You all know how this works, so... Ask a question is a box at the bottom of the screen. For those of you watching live on Crowdcast, for those of you watching on the live stream on Facebook, obviously you can put your questions in the question area there and hopefully Sophie will spot them and pop them over here for me. And if you're watching this on Catch Up or listening to us on a podcast, um, welcome. Hello. We're glad, glad to have you. Look, we're diversifying. <laughs> we're even doing podcasts now. And you can contact us at www.pureartsgroup.co.uk. And the SGFA website is a click button at the bottom of the screen here. But if you are, as I say, not watching us live, it is simply sgfa.org.uk. So there you are. There's all your touch points if you need to get in contact with us afterwards uh, or you're watching our catch up and you have questions. And we answer our questions in Facebook pretty quickly. So if you've got comments on there, you know, Sophie or myself will answer you and Instagram the same. So, yeah, you just get in touch. If you think we're your tribe or you think the SGFA might be your tribe, then we I'm sure I speak for Les. We'd be happy to have you, wouldn't we, Les? We would. We would. <laughs> so, Les, we're going to chat today a bit about you, a bit about your career as an artist, and then we'll move on to how you got involved with the SGFA. So just for those of you watching on live and Crowdcast, I'm just going to quickly share the screen with Les, with Les's um, website so you can see what his artwork looks like, because I think that's always helpful, isn't it? There we go. So that is Les. There's your artwork. It's, it's very, um, you've got a lot of white space in it, haven't you? And with a bit of, with a bit of colour. Never, never fill the page out. That's my motto. Yeah. If I just click on one, so George's Hanover Square, there you are. People can see that a bit more in detail. So a lot of inspiration from London and also from Norfolk. Let's have a look and see if we can find one. We go back to the gallery and let's see if we can find one that's more. Oh, there we are. It's, see, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with Norfolk, but I'm thinking that is Norfolk. Am I right? Lancaster State, yeah. Yeah. Boats, fishing huts. And what makes you choose that, you know, you've picked quite a striking, just one single colour in the background of there? I think one of the things I was going to say that um, 
I've always found that my watercolour isn't very strong. I, I, I don't like subtlety, as you can tell. Um, so I like buildings. I like strong lines, um, which is, I think, what you can see from what I'm doing there. Nearly all black and white. But, I mean, my main medium is pen, dip pen with um, Indian ink mainly. Um, a little bit of watercolour wash over the top. And what inspires the choice of colour then? Um, pretty random, to be honest with you, but um, it, it depends what mood I'm in, <laughs> is, is, is the honest answer. I, I had a, an interesting time. I, I joined a society up in, in Suffolk where they were looking at the fields. A guy who practised in the 1930s, um, he just worked in the fields and it was quite difficult for me to actually get into their mode of thinking of just sitting in fields, looking at people working there, looking at the horses. And as you can see, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an urban artist and I found it extremely difficult to try and paint what they were doing. But eventually I, I sort of still keep it, keeping it pretty minimal, lots of just loose blue skies and just a few marks made on the paper. That's tends to be the way I go. If we go back to the gallery, you'll probably see. Yeah, so it seems to be one colour. You kind of pick up on one colour, don't you? Like in that one there, that's Petworth yeah. House. With, a, as you that say, a very strong line. Yeah. So going back to where it all began, Les, have you been painting and drawing all your life or is this um, something that you've come to later in life? Well, I thought I was going to be a golfer, <laughs> but um, when, uh, coming towards the end of my time in the city, uh, my mother had died and she'd been a, a, an oil painter and carrying her stuff out, I decided that um, I would go to the place where she used to paint. She used to go down to uh, Flatford Mill, which is Constable country up in Suffolk, and they have a field study centre there. and. Stay Lots Cottage, which, if you know your constable, is the haywine. Um, not recommended, I can tell you, if, if you don't want to hear toilets going all night long and creaky stairs. But it was how I started the art, in the art world, you know, learning how to paint and laying down watercolour washes. Um, very soon I found that even though I wanted to be like Edward Seago and you know, have a hundred thousand pound artist, you know, paintings. It, it didn't really work out like that for me. That so, but I loved the drawing. And um, what happened for me was that I, I found the Prince's Drawing School in Charlotte Street up in, um, up in London. And um, I went on a drawing course with uh, Jeanette Barnes and Martin Shortis there, and it was interior design, or in, in, interior of St Paul's Cathedral and the first thing that Martin did when he looked at my travel bag that I bought along was he picked up the rubber and threw it away, picked up my ruler and went, you don't need that mate, and then produced this drawing that he'd done of the interior, three-dimensional of the dome of St Paul's, over 20, 20 foot by 20 foot. It was just, it's just like Michelangelo painted and I said, how did you do that without a rubber? He said, you just carry on. Anything that happens that shouldn't have happened, you just work through it. And, you know, lots of accidental things become the good things. And lots of artists talk about that, don't they? The happy accidents. Well, it's especially if you've got a dip pen and um, ink that won't uh, move around, you know, or it will move around, but sometimes in blobs on paint on paintings which uh, makes life very interesting so you were doing that and then you then you added the watercolor you started to build up and add the watercolor yeah i mean sometimes i'll do that i mean one of the things that i i learned i suppose is that i used to draw in with this stedler um, ordinary pens you know um biros and things like that and when i went down to the framer She'd taken some of my paintings and she put them up in her, her art gallery. And she said, look, Les, look at, look at these 
your framework three months after it's been in the window, it's gone. And I'm like, wow. You know, so all your lovely drawing has all gone out the window now. So why don't you try and paint with something or draw with something that's indelible so it stays with it? You know, it's either or you use conservation glass, you know, to protect the image. It's a problem for all watercolorists, really, that if you don't display your artwork well, or you don't keep it out of the sunshine, I should say, um, you're going to lose it eventually. Um, That's tricky, isn't it? Because that conservation glass is really expensive. And when you're just starting out, that's an extremely big expense. Of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is why I try to say to people, you know, try to use indelible ink if you can. But um, you can't use fountain pens with indelible ink. It it, uh, it chews them up. So it's, it's either conservation glass, if you're an experienced artist, and you can get the money for it. But as you say, for some amateurs, it's never going to work. It's back to pencil, I suppose. But mm. And you said you, you went to the Prince's Drawing School. What, what was that like? What was it like um, learning at the Princess Drawing School? Fantastic is what I would say. And I think that, um, I don't know if you know much of the back, about the background of the Princess Drawing School, which is now the Royal Drawing School, but uh, they allow one free year of drawing for anyone who's got an art, art degree. Now, having talked to one of the tutors there, he said to me, we have people come who've got art degrees and I said, we're going to go out sketching along the river. And uh, they all said, well, what do you do? He said, well, you call it, you, you get what I would call a pencil and you get paper. And they went, oh, right. So he said, the first time I took them out, I had to give them the pencils and the paper because they'd never used them before. Uh, so he said, it's amazing what people come out, out of the art college with you know how little knowledge some of them have um, but for me it was fantastic because you're actually dealing with people who are in the professional art world and i'd only really just picked it up so it was quite an eye-opener as to what what to do what not to do yeah it gave you a foundation in how to take it forward yeah i mean it, it showed showed me where i wanted to be i didn't want to be a watercolorist trying to be like john yardley or edward ceo or any of those modern painters, I just, just wasn't going to work for me. But um, I needed something with structuring, a bit like our, our, our lovely Vincent, you know, with his drawing. Mm. You know, I love pictures that are representational in the main. Mm. But I, I like to keep colour down to a minimum. I mean, black and red is my, my two favourite colours, which is why... Lots of red buses and red post boxes in my. I was just about to say it's handy in London with red buses. <laughs> There'll always be one going past. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the curious thing is, because I limit my my vocation um, with what I do, I was hanging an exhibition in a solicitor's office, um, and there was some someone came on the phone for me. Uh, and I thought it was one of these scam uh, phone calls you get sometimes. And they said, we're from the City of London Police Fraud Squad. And I'm, I'm sort of, first of all, I, I'm sort of saying to myself, I don't believe this. This is, this is scam. They went, no, no, we've just looked you up on your website. Um, are you coming up to town at all? I said, well, I'm actually in the solicitor's office in uh, Lednall Street at the moment. Well, we'd like to buy one of your paintings for uh, one of our colleagues who's retiring. Oh. Eventually, it did drop that, that, that they were real because, you know, these two police sergeants turned up. And I thought, God, <laughs> I had a moment, though. But uh, Did you ask them, I need to know your date of birth? I need to know your mother's name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't live in Nigeria. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me to transfer lots of money. They produce, they produce cash, Leslie, which is oh, the most... Okay. Always, always a relief. Although worrying. Always a relief, yeah. Worrying when it's the police. <laughs> oh, how lovely, though. But it's it's one of those lovely things that this has gone on for about 10 years now. And um, this year I've done two for someone who was like um, second in command of the UK computer fraud. You know, so she was a commander, you know, and 
it's just lovely, you know, but they're very simple drawings. But I think these police guys find that they've run out of buying watches and clocks for people for their retirements. So that's my new role in life. Isn't that wonderful? You've got from that one like potential, like, oh, is this a scam? It's given you 10 yeah. years of work. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And as you say, that that's a that gives them something new to give to people instead of the classic um carriage clock or watch that's probably got a lot more meaning for them because it's about, you know, the place where they work. Well, it's always the city and it's always has to have a red bus in it and uh some poor or something like that, yeah. I know. Um, Vincent has just started putting colour into his work as well. And uh, red seems to be featuring heavily in chimney pots. <laughs> you've seen any. Anyone told him that chimney pots aren't red? <laughs> don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> don't. He'll tell me they're not red now. He'll tell me that there, are, there is this proper colour because obviously he knows all about these things. So he'll tell me they're not red. They are a, a legitimate colour. Um, so did you have any particular tutors that inspired you at the drawing school? Um, there was one particular lady who I loved, Jeanette Barnes. Um, and with naivety comes that, that lovely asking of questions that I, I said to her, how do you do these things, Jeanette? Because I'd met her before the, the, Royal, the Royal Drawing School. I met her standing at Lloyd's of London and they were just building the gherkin, and um, she was standing on the steps looking at St Mary Axe with the gherkin rising above it, and she loved drawing in charcoal, and she had a page which was something like four foot by six foot. I mean, I, I wasn't really interested in drawing at the time, but I just looked at the way she was making her marks on the paper, and it was fantastic. It was so much vibrancy, in the, and the drawing was just huge. And uh, I, I, I said to her, oh, this is fantastic. Are you going to do anything with these? I didn't know who she was. And she said, probably, yeah. I said, well, where do you show? She said, well, I'm, I'm going to be in the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition this year. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> enough, actually, I went, I went out to the Royal Academy show that year and um, she done this huge piece of... Um, Grand Central Station, huge with great light coming in from in the building, it was huge space and charcoal everywhere. She sold it for ten thousand pounds. So I, I bow to her superior talent skill. But she was your one of your tutors. How amazing is that? Yeah, but, she, but absolutely no. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? She was approachable. Could talk to her, ask her anything, and you know. Why are you doing that? Well, I do remember asking John Yardley once, um, how do you do perspective, John? And he just went, you do it. And I thought that was about as helpful as, as anything. Uh, but whereas Jeanette was just easygoing and, you know, well, what do you want to know? It's lovely when, when people are, once they've reached their groove and they are comfortable and confident in that, you know, trust themselves, they, they can be humble and um and that and gracious which is obviously how she was towards you and then they share and that's the most i know for myself now you know at my aged age <laughs> that i love sharing um you know all those things that i've learned i would never dream of like closing someone down because you know if you can help people along the way that's you know so rewarding isn't it well help. i think one of the things that um i found helpful is <clears throat> i write them um, uh, open studios up in Norfolk where we've got a house mm. and quite often the, the people who ask you the most interesting questions are the ones who are 15, 16, 17 doing their O levels, A levels and I had one <clears throat> girl come along with her mother last year and they, they must have stood there for half an hour asking me you know how and why do you do why, why do you draw with a dip pen why why do you draw with Indian ink? What paper do you use? And I said, you know, what what is it you like yourself? She said, well, my A-level tutor won't let me draw what I want to draw. You know, she's always telling me to structure it for the exams, which I can understand. Um, but when, you're, when you've got an artist that really is, is not expressing themselves, it's so frustrating, I think, you know. 
obviously there's going to come a time when when she'll be able to do that but it was lovely absolutely lovely talking to her and i mean two or three times over over a number of years i've had people come back you know especially the kids with their parents asking me questions again you know where have they got to, what are they doing it is nice to see that isn't it when you do something how long have you been doing the open studios uh, well, over 10 years up there now i think yeah uh, so you've got longevity so you can see the, the people coming back year on year and yeah no it, it's lovely i mean the only trouble with covid this year we used to hold it in may but this year they've suddenly decided they they want to switch it next year to october which frankly in the middle of winter i don't i really don't want people traipsing around my house you know with muddy boots and things you know anyway they think it's the great way forward with christmas markets and things like that so. yeah yeah i think everyone's trying to innovate aren't they i mean we did art 360 as you know which was digital kind of open studios and the most amazing thing was all the questions it was all the sharing between the artists and the collectors and then of knowledge and, and experience. And then and the questions that people were asking it was incredible. I learned things that, you know, I've known a lot of the artists for a long time, but I learned so much. And I think that open studios format is so invaluable. So invaluable. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, <clears throat> where I am up in Norfolk, we, we're so lucky. It's a tourist village if you like in that there's a Norman castle ruined Norman castle and um, a ruined um, priory there so lots of people come through it I mean on open weekends probably getting 150 people through every weekend which uh, by the time we shut the doors at five o'clock I'm absolutely exhausted are you a beer or a G&T man <laughs> or wine <laughs> Unfortunately, all three. <laughs> Sadly, me. Not at, not at the same time. <laughs> no, I don't do beer, actually. <laughs> but wine or G&T, I know I felt that after that marathon of like one a day during um, September, when we did the closing show and we had champagne, I think it went to my head within about 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I was so shattered with the experience. But it was so, it's so rewarding. I really hope that um, we'll definitely, we're definitely doing Art360 again, the digital open studios. We'll be opening submissions on the 14th of November for the next one, which will be in April. But I really hope that there will be live open studios because they are a critical element of the artist's experience, not only from, as you say, the youngsters coming in and asking questions and people being able to get close to the art, but it's also a critical element in people on their journey of, going through the art world, you know, getting comfortable with talking about their art, isn't it? Well, I was just going to say that um, Vincent will know we're in that critical process at the moment of doing selection from the, for the new SGFA members. And obviously with COVID, we haven't been able to invite people up to London for what we normally do, which is bring your finished work, but we're more interested in seeing how you get to where you've got to, i.e., your sketchbooks, your background drawings. So it's had to be online this year. And to be honest with you, it doesn't do some people any favours because there are people you, when you look at their artwork and you feel that what they've done on the paper, it comes alive to you. Whereas on digitally, I don't think it always speaks to you the same way. And there are a number of people who've applied this year. I think we're going to have to ask them to come back next year so she see their physical work because it you can't really judge what they're up to uh, uh, it's been a real problem for us yeah it's a really different medium digital and you know that's the point of art 360 was to help artists become more comfortable with working in the digital um, format and um, but it's so hard to see and i know when we've done selections over the years and we've sat in a room and tried to do it digitally. You know, sometimes when the physical work, we always added the caveat, we still reserve the right to refuse when we see the physical work. Um, it goes both ways. Some can look better and some can look worse. And that's, yeah. you know, it's ones that don't, haven't done the professional photographs and haven't done the, the scans, you know, professional level that 
yeah, it's sad. You 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 always feel you've you know, missed something amazing. Well, I think I think you uh, Vincent's just made a very good point on here, which is that you don't get the scale of the work. Exactly. Because uh, the um, SGFA got a, their show in the mall next year. What we actually need sometimes are very big pieces. And you cannot tell from a digital. Um, yes, someone can tell you that the thing, what it is in centimetres and inch or inches, but you don't get the scale of the thing, you know, because if you want a big piece of work for the end wall to make an impact uh, on the show, you really can't judge it from, from a, a digital. I, I don't think you can anyway. And you're, you're absolutely right too about the colours. Um, I was saying to someone recently that I went up to Tate Britain a few years ago um, and was amazed at the show I'd just seen and wanted to buy the catalogue, you know, the illustrated catalogue. When I got it, I thought, I've just seen all these works and these photographs are absolutely nothing like the work I've just seen in this. The, the colours are not being re reproduced at all. And that's because they're relying on the artists to send in the images. And as Flick says quite rightly, um, a lot of artists um, don't appreciate that photographing and or scanning your artwork is a critical element of your practice and you need to be able to do it well. And if you can't, then employ someone to do it professionally for you. Because we do a lot of digital um, and printed catalogues and we spent a lot of time, you know, working on making sure the images are of the best possible quality to make sure that the viewer gets the best experience when they're looking, like you say, when they're looking at the catalogues, <coughs> that's their memory of it. And that's like the, it's a touch point. So it's the point where, you know, a year later they'll say, that's still bothering me and I want to go back and buy it. And then when they look in the catalogue and they go, oh, it doesn't look how I remember it. And then they might just not buy it. So you've lost a, a potential sale. But Leslie, going back to a point you were making about um, conservation glass being expensive, digi doing digital right is just expensive. Um, getting getting your artwork printed is just as expensive. You know? So I don't know what that flip over thing is where you're making enough money from your artwork to actually do that um it's a it's a tough it's, it's a tough move from going from being an amateur to being someone who wants to make it at the top level you're absolutely right i mean the, the cost of being a professional artist can't be underestimated it is an expensive business and i often say this to um locations when they contact me and they say oh could we could you supply some art you know for our office or whatever and I say well you know how much are you going to pay for that and they were like oh we just thought it would give the artist an opportunity and I'm <laughs> like no no do you know do you realize that if if I put one piece of work in your office that's probably cost the artist a reasonable size piece could have cost them uh, three or four hundred pounds in just materials and then you'll want it in your office for three or four months where it's not doing it's not working for them if someone asked to get you to give one of your products for absolutely not what you know give away five can you give me 500 pounds i'm just going to keep it in my drawer you can't use it in your business as cash flow i'm just going to keep it in my drawer for you for three months and then give it back to you and it might actually be a little bit damaged by the time i give it back to you and a bit tatty um, how would you feel about that? And um, always the face is always like, whoa, I hadn't even thought about that. They just think you might have the opportunities, but it's very unlikely that someone would get an opportunity to sell their work if there's no information and no story and no narrative. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I was just thinking through at the moment, I've got three offices in uh, all around the Lloyd's, Lloyds of London building who've got my artwork in their underwriting rooms or <coughs> visitors' places, it, as you say, it does them a favour. They they think they're showing work of someone who's associated with the city. But actually what they don't consider is the fact that how much it's cost you not only to get it there, produce the artwork, hang it. Um, as far as they're concerned, they're doing you a favour. And, and we might actually sell a piece or two for you. You know, but they can actually work very hard at it. And it's, what can you say? Have you ever sold any off the wall there? 
Yes, yes, I have, but um, it's slow, <laughs> is what I would say. And unless you've got a real association with that company, um, they, 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 they don't put any effort into the thing anyway. So after a while, it just becomes a painting on the wall, doesn't it? Decoration, as, as Vincent just said. That's, yeah. the, that's one of the challenges that we have a lot when people, because people are always, you can imagine, people are always contacting us um, saying, Oh, you've got a huge staple of artists. I'll give you an opportunity for them to exhibit their work. And I say, Oh, that's lovely. What are you going to do for them? And they say, Oh, I'm just going to let you put it on the wall. I'm like, No, no, that's just decoration. So we'll charge you rental. Oh, I wasn't thinking of paying for it. Okay, so what are you going to do for us that will actually give the artist an opportunity to sell? And we only now work with people who are going to actively provide our artists with the opportunity of selling. We don't say to them, you have to guarantee a sale, but you have to facilitate an opportunity for them to sell. If they're going to invest, you know, 10 pieces of work could be £2,000 of, of commodity and you know you and i are both ex city so return on investment i've done my calculation this is not a good return on investment unless oh, you are me an opportunity to sell it i think the fairest i've i've had it was um because i i, I still go up to the city and see a lot of the people in, in lloyd's they, they had a, a a solicitor who said i like all the guys in the in the art group there I will provide a private view. I'll put all the hanging on the wall. Uh, he said, because <clears throat> I've looked at the cost of putting a hanging system in and hiring someone to for me to rent the paintings out to. And he said, it works out to at least five, 7,000 a year for me to do that from them. He said, so I might as well pay, pay you guys and do a private view, invite all my clients up. We can all, it works for me. It, will work, it might work for you. Exactly, exactly. And we do that. So we work with the Curlew and the Smallholding, Will Devlin's um, restaurants. And he provides once a quarter with the opportunity for us to host a private view. And at the moment, we're doing that in a very COVID secure way. So and he provides the food and the drink. And, you know, the, and we provide so normally pure at the moment are providing the clients because obviously we have to manage it very carefully. But in normal times, it's his, you know, his client base is seeing it as well. And we put price labels on the work and they're all QR coded. So we've had we do get regular sales by just putting in that extra effort um, from our perspective and him investing in us as well. And, uh, you know, providing lovely experiences for our collectors. And if anyone out there wants us to do that, we're very happy. But other than that, <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> Um, unless you want to pay a rental and then I'm happy to you for you to pay my staff and my artists to um, borrow rent the work but um, it has to be you know we don't it's an experience and you know artists are selling emotion and not all of our artists are doing it for commercial gain they're doing it you know because it's a it's a vocation or they're on a journey and there's lots of different reasons why artists make artwork it isn't always for commercial reasons but generally, there is a cost associated with it, whether it's for a vocation or whether it's for commercial reasons. And that has to be taken into account. And it's respect, isn't it? It's respect. Mm. I think. We, we get ourselves a bit hung up in the city because <clears throat> occasionally these guys um, have their own back on you in a way because you, you sort of say to them, you know, or they ask you, will you hang out your work on, on our office walls? But then they say, we'd like you to do that because we actually bunged your group £5,000 worth of um, advertising last year. Wouldn't you like to hang your artwork in our office as well? So they've got you really, haven't they? You know, well, it's if they're not... doing something reciprocal, then that works, doesn't yeah. it? It does work. If yeah. there's a reciprocal respect... Unfortunately, it's not in my pocket, though, Leslie. That's... No. No, well, very often that isn't that how the artwork world rolls generally. That it's not it it's run not particularly on um, cash, but on kind. That's true. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it. We were talking just before we came on air about volunteers and how lots of people volunteer in the art world. There's a lot of volunteering goes on, and a lot of people giving their time for nothing, and. Um, 
And I think the art world, you know, really does rely heavily on people, goodwill of the people um, who invest. So especially things like the societies. So, you know, I was going to go on to talk about why did you choose to join the Society of Graphic Fine Art? And then maybe you can talk to us about it. I thought you were going to say, how did you end up as president? Which there was no one else to do it. Because <laughs> you're very, very good and you have all the skills required. <laughs> oh. oh, you're saying all the right things. <laughs> anyway, um, i tell you how I ended up with the SGFA. Um, I belong to, I love sketching. It's one of the things really gets me going, if you like, you know, especially when I'm traveling. I love to take a, a travel book with me and um, you know, obviously you, you keep your materials down as small as you can, you know, and one of, one of the, I, draw, I joined a, a group called Drawing London in, um, in, obviously in London, but they were a group of people who had been, been on the, the Royal Drawing School's art courses. So <clears throat> we all had something in common. We all love the, the urban sketching thing. So we meet once a month. And one of the ladies there have been in the SGFA for a long time, Shelby Dorburn. She's probably about 92 now, so a bit past the... Uh, unfortunately, she's not, not in the art, art society anymore. But um, she said to me, Liz, why don't you go and join the SGFA? I think you'll love them because you, you love your drawing. And I, I think the, the thing that you'll find with the, the uh, art society is... It's not just straight drawing, you know, you can use any medium you like, but obviously the background of it has got to be drawing. And I thought, you know, I've not really been drawing long enough. And when I when I look at people like Louisa and Felicity and, and Vincent and think, I feel a bit of a fraud, to be honest with you, because they all know how to paint and draw. Whereas me, I, I worked all my life in the city and Johnny come lately, you know, here I go. I. I've just found out I like drawing. And uh, anyway, I, I went along and, and, and I got in, which was a, a surprise to me as it was to them, I think. Um, so, but why did I draw it? Because it was drawing, which is what I loved. And I just thought my style of work just wouldn't, wouldn't work with it, you know, any of the others like the Maritime Group, you know. By the way, the Maritime Group, yeah. I have hardly any new members, and I'm thinking to myself, how do you keep a society refreshed? And anyway, about the Maritime Art Group. I'll show <laughs> Don't worry about them. Worry about the SGFA. That's yeah, that's your that's what you right. need to be worried about. So the thing about the thing about us this year is that um, I, I was really worried that um, because we had to shut down our our mall gallery show this year, we finally got back to the mall galleries. Hello, you've gone. You oh, still? I'm still here. Yeah, still I'm there. still here. Okay. Still um, here. And I was really quite worried that we would keep people going during this time uh, of COVID. Uh, now I've forgotten what I was going to say. Um, but yes, I was going to say. But as Vincent knows, we had uh, nearly 23 people apply, apply for the society this year, and all yeah. of them have got to enter. Uh, the open exhibitions and be accepted at least twice. So uh, I've just read Louise's comment. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that's a similar for most artists that they're always shocked and surprised <laughs> that people actually think that they can, they're good at what they do. Louisa, as as you, is an extremely talented artist. I love that. Oh. I love that so the society despite covid you're saying is thriving and you're still getting lots of applications despite not being able to run the open exhibition well when when you think that um there's only about 130 artists full stop and quite about 20 of those are past honoraries who are probably past it as well um to have 22 new applicants in one year is is quite a lot um and isn't great that's looking at like 20 percent, isn't it yeah yeah which is probably too many but um if they're good quality we'll take them um and have you kind of like you're saying because they normally would have to do two opens have you changed that slightly no no that's still the fundamental they've still got to have 
got through the selection process twice already, and then you've got to come, well, we would have done, uh, come to a meeting with all your artwork, your preparation work. As I say, that's the only thing that's not happened this year, and we've had to do it digitally, which, as I said before, mm. not ideal. But um, And Louise is saying you're getting younger members as well. Yeah, we're going to have our first uh, A-level student this year, which is fantastic. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, mum's been pushing her to come along, but uh, we absolutely love her portraiture. She's fantastic. Well, how uh, exciting to find someone at that point, you know. That's like gold, isn't it? To get yeah. someone certainly on. Wow. Yeah, so we're, we're really looking forward to that. And I would say over the last two years, um, we've got a lot, younger members uh, and uh, it's what you need to do to refresh the society uh it's not only the running of the society but you want the artwork to look fresh and modern um you want to complete do you think that's because you've moved back to the mount i think it well i think it's been happening gradually over the last little while um but yeah i think i think that the more has certainly helped it's given us more exposure to what's going on and um read what vincent saying it's works um having the criteria because you get to know the artist and the consistency which is important yeah, yeah. Mm. i think yeah I mean, in, in the past we've we've had sort of 25 people apply but when you actually look at their work um you, you initially get rid of all the people who just <clears throat> just paint their cats and dogs and you think yes. <clears throat> Let's get on to the serious stuff. So it was quite hard this year because, as I say, all of them are qualified through selection in the past, which means they've got something going for them that, that, that you're going to like them. Um, so it's, it, it's made it much harder but much more rewarding. You're looking at people who are doing some interesting stuff. So what key advice would you give to people who are thinking of joining the society? Um, give it a go. Have have a try. I mean, I think the step up from being uh, at what I will call a club level artist to trying to get into um, a national society can be quite a leap. And I, I think you've got to have a lot of confidence in yourself. Uh, I mean, I, I think artists go through various stages in their career. I think one of the hardest is when you first put pen to paper, showing your family what you've been doing. That's hard. The next step is putting something on, on the wall, you know, for people to buy. I mean, I, I know when I'm running open studios, you know, you get lots of people who come in and say, well, yeah, I paint it myself. I said, well, do you join a club? Are you putting things on the wall to sell? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that, you know. So every fall, as another, it's a confidence thing to get going with. Confidence in self, isn't it? Confidence in self is so critical. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got, there's got to be a certain amount of talent going on there. But if you, given that you've got the talent and you want to expand and you want to get on with it, I think, you know, just go for it and just keep exploring. Okay, they might knock you back, but keep trying is all, all I would say. Keep on keeping on. That's the advice of the octogenarians. <laughs> keep on keeping on because you'll yeah, get there. If you take action. Eventually you will get there. As um, Vincent's just said as well, which is very valid, is go and see the work in the shows because once you see what you're going to be compared with, it gives you an idea of whether they're your tribe, whether you're head pointing your arrow in the right direction because not everybody is right for everywhere, are they? Yeah. Absolutely not, no. Um, I, th I think, you know, it, it's it's wrong to stop trying, and it, it's the same with the way you look at your artwork, is keep trying, keep expanding, keep looking at different things. Um, I, I remember the, the one of the first trips I went on uh, with, the, with the Royal Drawing School, um, which was painting locations all the way along the Thames, and this is a, you know, I, you can do it obviously with any river if you like, but different places on the Thames really brought up lots of different visitors. And I sat there 
opposite Greenwich one day with a guy who had no more than the pair of scissors and lots of newspapers and magazines. And I, I wasn't drawing myself. I, I was just looking at him, you know, and here he is, he's cutting away and he's creating these collages. It was fantastic, you know, and I, I couldn't believe how good he was. And, and so I had that experience. And the next time uh, I went along, I, I, I went with this guy who actually stood on the river. It was the most brilliant sunny day. And yet he got these charcoals out and had a completely black sky. And I stupidly said to him, um, doesn't look very representational of what's going on today. And he went, mind your own business. So <laughs> um, you get all sorts, can't you, really? You <laughs> yes, but it's always good to have a dialogue with people, isn't it? It's always good to have that chat. I'm just seeing in the sidebar, Louise, I find this shocking. Les, you, you know, it's shocking situation. Louisa was rejected for, uh, with her first application to the SGFA. There you are. If that is encouragement for anybody, if someone can reject Louisa from their first application, then no one has a reason not to apply because... Uh, well, it's, all it's, is, I am amazed that she got rejected. Obviously, I wasn't on the council at the time. Right. Who was president when you joined? Who was president when you joined the SGFA? Do you remember? Um, Roger Lewis, I think, who... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what to say about Roger. You know, Roger, Roger ran the society very, very well. I mean, the things that I, I, you come from the city and you probably, uh, one of the golden rules I've found on the council is when I first joined was um, they could talk a lot and they were meetings at 10.30 and by the time four o'clock came round in the afternoon, one of the other council members said to me, there's, I've never seen so many drawings and scribbles in a book. Fantastic. I said, yeah, I've got eight pages of doodles. It's incredible. <laughs> the most boring, wasted Saturday that I've ever had. And I, 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 I don't know if you're the same as me, but I... That wouldn't I, be tolerated in my meetings. <laughs> well, <laughs> We'd be done. Like, What's the action points? Right, we're over. <laughs> yeah. I was told by a client, don't speak for more than 15 minutes, Les, because... I'm gone. I'm out. Attention <laughs> span is generally two. It's generally two minutes, isn't it? So I remember I yeah. I had um, a boss when I worked at Coca Cola, and they were lovers of long meetings there. And he was ex army, and he would he would literally he'd be looking at his watch, he'd be like, "Okay, what's the action point? Write it down. Right, we're done." And he'd just get up and walk out. And I was like, okay, I, "That is such a good idea." Just need to know what the action point is, and I'm done here. And yeah. uh, I, mean, I, love, I love talking, everyone knows that, and I love listening to people's stories. So I'm a little bit more easy on the li listening to people thing, but um, I still, we were talking, as you said, prior to coming on air, about running these Zoom meetings, and I'm, I'm a bit more disciplined on, you know, keep your mics closed off until it's your turn kind of thing. Yeah, I, I just wanted to go back to what Louisa was saying about um, being rejected on her first go, that, that she still was confident enough to come back again. I mean, I don't know quite what was said to her, but, you know, why she should want to come back, because I've had friends of mine who've applied, and it took them the meetings with me, you know, over a cup of coffee to actually speak to me nicely after they were rejected, and... Uh, I thought, blow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very tough thing being rejected. Uh, so whoever had given the, the, uh, the rejection slip was obviously encouraging enough to actually say, please come back and have another go. Um, I don't know who the um, president was when, because we've had, uh, to my knowledge, we've had Will Taylor and we've yeah. had Jackie. Jackie Devereaux. I don't know which one of those. Was. Joe Hall. It would have been, I think it would have been Joe Hall running it because uh, Will, when he did it for six months. Didn't do it for very long, did he? No. 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 Mm. Yes, well, I think that's the advice, isn't it? It's just have another go. Always have another go. Yes, we're very glad. Ah, you were in good. So she was encouraged by Vincent and Felicity to have another go. There you go. Good. That's so what you... Yeah. 
So we've got some questions down in the question box. Oh, I love the questions. Let's see what we've got. So, um, and this is one. Of, this was one of my questions actually. So I'm glad that um, uh, Louise has asked this. What are your hopes for the future of the SGFA under your presidency? Oh my God! <laughs> I've got that on my list of questions. <laughs> what What's your hopes for the future? Um. I think they're the same as my own, really, in my own desires, in that I think looking back in the history of the SGFA, it had a very prestigious time, and they had people like John Piper, Dame Laura Knight, um, Frank Brownwin, and it got itself into a bit in the doldrums, I would say, in the 80s and 90s, and probably up to about 2000. And I think the best thing I've done for the society so far is to get us back into the more galleries. Because um, I think that's a big stepping stone for us. And secondly, we need to get our finances well enough organised so that we can have not just four days or five days there so that we can maybe have a longer period of time there and or take over the whole gallery site, not just the main gallery. So in a way, it's the profile of the society to get it back up to, to where it was. And part of that is that um, it used to belong to the Federation of British Artists, which means you have automatic access to the more galleries, which I don't know if my politicking is good enough to um, get us back into there, but, you know, you'd be up there with it, with the biggest of the, you know, the, the current Royal, Royal Societies. Um, if we could do that over the next, over the presidency, I think that would give us such big standing, you know, and we wouldn't just go from 22 people trying to apply. You'd probably go to about 40 or 50 at least. So that's, that's really where I'd like us to go. I mean, in the short term, I, I just really like to get out of COVID and, and, and have a really great more gallery show next year. Um, I think one of the other things that, I like doing are the smaller regional shows and, uh, you know, Louisa and uh, Felicity <coughs> and Vincent have all helped me getting around. We've been to Kiwi's House Gallery. Uh, we were at Wells, um, Wells Cathedral uh, was it two years ago, which was absolutely fantastic. I, uh, you, pure Arts, you sh should go down there as well. Um, we, we don't do so many exhibitions as such now. We're much more in a, uh, about the education, the learning, and the and the growth of the artists. So kind of supportive. We provide more of a supportive role to societies than we yeah. do do big exhibitions. I don't see our future um, as doing big exhibitions, but we are going to do a collaborative exhibition with the SGFA in April next year, aren't we? <gasps> hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Oh, that hurt. I'm taking the bandage off and stupidly cross my fingers. That was silly. <laughs> oh, don't do that again, Leslie. Um, yes, yeah, when I'm sitting here, if I have the bandage on, it really pushes on the bruising. Um, don't do that again, Leslie. That was very silly and it hurt. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that in April next year, doing that with you. I really hope that that happens. And, um, and that's a really cool aspiration to get the to really raise the profile of the SGFA. And so it's just you now, yeah, getting your politics in line to get back with the FDA. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, a, it's a big ask to do it, but I think one of the other things that I'd like for the society is to get in with um, some more galleries, you know, commercial galleries like Kiwi's House around the country, because I, I suppose my own aspiration is to be shown commercially around the country. You know, we've got some very good artists within our ranks now who are represented by various galleries. And I, I just like it. If the SGFA can get into some of these, it will give them a platform to show their work elsewhere around the country. And, you know, if they grow, we grow. Um, so that's, that's what I, I'd like for them, really. 
Yeah, that's interesting because encouragement is so important. And Fran's next question is um, kind of about encouragement. So you mentioned your mother painted in oils. Did she encourage you to draw in your childhood or is is your artistic career much more recent? Um, <laughs> my art teacher said when I was 16, Les, it's not about filling the boxes in with colour. So that was the end of my, my painting at school. And no, I think my mother liked going away painting because she got her away from my father. But uh, no, that was a joke. But um, <laughs> my father always thought that she was going away on a with her boyfriend. You know. So anyway, um, <laughs> with her other family. <laughs> no, I, I think I think my inspiration to do it was her really, and just to to get under well I, I just found I loved it and I mean I, I thought when I was going to retire that I'd be playing golf I wouldn't be you know uh, be an artist but I think what I found is I you can paint on your own you can go anywhere and it's um, to me having a sketchbook and going on travels in Italy and, and France what, what more could be better um, you, you know you can sit in a cafe with your sketchbook open and have a beer or a glass of wine and you can do it alone, but it's not a lonely profession, is it, really? People say it's isolating, but actually, if, as you say, if you go out, I know Vincent would validate this, that, you know, whenever he goes out sketching, everyone comes up and talks to him. It's like having a dog or a baby in a pram. <laughs> People come up and chat to you. Well, I, I think everyone's got little stories, but um, I'll, I'll just give you two very quick ones. I... I, I, I singing a choir as well so we were we were singing in some pieces in rome i'm trying to impress you now okay um i gone, gone out for, we had a the afternoon off so i gone out and i was on one of the bridges in rome looking up to st peter's and i was on the on the bridge edge and uh, this guy kept shoving this map in my face and started to ask me where was so and so and i go look I'm, I'm actually <laughs> not a local and I don't live here and I'm trying to do some drawing. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. And it was completely beyond him that I was actually trying to do something. <laughs> the other little story I was going to share with you was sitting in Delft in Holland um, at a bar and the waitress came up and said, can I get you another beer? And she said, do you mind the boys looking at you? And as I turned around, there were 20 uh, teenagers all standing behind me. I hadn't realised. I was so <laughs> concentrating. I said, oh, they're all right. <laughs> English, but, you know, which was perfect, really. Yeah. And did they ask you any questions? They didn't speak any English, did you say? No, I was, I was in, I had my beer goggles on anyway, so. <laughs> Don't ask him any questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you like to travel. I do. Um, so um, what? So Carol, um, yeah, who I mentioned to you just before we came on air as someone I thought would be perfect for the Society of Graphic Fine Art, is actually saying, "Where? When is the time to submit to the society?" Well, unfortunately, you've just missed this year, but um, October next year we reckon because we, we've had to shuffle everything around, as as you might imagine. Normally, we did it in. Um, I'm saying April or May, um, but like our open exhibition, we've had to move everything around. So I think we're going to try for October next year when hopefully people might be willing to travel and come up to town again um, and bring their artwork with them. I mean, what I say to Carol is do loads of sketching, do lots of preparatory work, and it's not just finished work we like to see. I mean, but obviously that's the stuff that goes into in, into the, the exhibitions. But we like to see what you like to do, what what things you're good at. And I, I don't know if you find this yourself, but quite honestly, yeah, sometimes you've only got to open someone's sketchbook and you, straight away you know they've got it or they haven't got it. Um, it's the art world X factor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, once you've been in the environment for as many years as you and I have, that um, 
you pretty much instinctively know as soon as you look at something if it's got potential or if it hasn't even you know in its rawest form you can see that something's something amazing is going to come um out of it and uh, so vincent's saying carol can join me on one of our drawing days there you are carol you've got an invite to a sgfa drawing <laughs> day um, everyone's I got an invite because i think that's one of the key things as you say about the art world is get in there and see what other people are doing and we love people from the outside to come and join with us you know because you want to get away from this thing about it being difficult to paint with professional artists you know come and see what it's like you know come and see what they're up to well you know ask them how do you do that why why did you do that or why did you choose that view why didn't you choose that view it's it's just getting to meet people isn't it and finding out what what they're like and what you know what they produce i think um it is about get taking action and getting involved i noticed edith says um how do you find out well our website should update itself don't look at my website because it's not very updated but oh, i told you often though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i have a i have a son who um is a web designer and uh, IT director, and he, all the time he's telling me, "Don't do that! Do do, do that!" You know. So I, I I I get so paranoid about if I touch things, you know, and screw it up. Anyway. So the drawing days will all be on your on the SGFA website, and if people want to see the SGFA website, and they're on here, you can see there's a tab at the bottom here that says SGFA website. Otherwise, it's sgfa.org.uk for anyone who's yep. listening. And um, I can share the screen actually very quickly, um, and we can have a look at. Um, and I think it has got drawing days on. Yeah, it actually opened on drawing days. Look at that. So I'm going to focus the screen on that just for a second. And so these are the details of the drawing days. And it's sad because, yeah, you were about to do one at the Victoria and Albert Museum. But now that's in January. It's sad. Well, <laughs> yeah. Hope, oh, no, that was in 2019. Now in 2019, yeah. now not happening. <laughs> I mean, I think what we tend to do for people who are interested is we stay inside buildings during the winter time, the V&A or the British Museum, and obviously outside. They tend to be in London. Uh, we have been to the Horniman Museum, which is in South London. So it's not very far apart, is it? But, um, the Horniman, though, I remember the Horniman from as a child. We were, used to be, because I grew up in um, South southeast london and we used to be taken to the horniman all the time to draw they had the most amazing cases of all um tribal things i seem to remember lots of really interesting artifacts at the horniman museum lots of things to draw. we would be sat down in front of a case and left there for hours and then eventually someone would come and give us a packed lunch to uh keep us lovely yeah, I love the Horniman. And um, as we saw on your drawing day, so presumably your website, people will be updating your website with more drawing days once things get a little bit easier on the code. Well, I, I, yeah, I, when people want to travel, I think is the answer at the moment. I don't think anyone wants to travel. Uh, I have, you booked, have you booked the mail, have you, for October next year? Is that kind of tentatively? Uh, no, we have fixed dates in July. Right. The fifth to the eleventh of July, and for and for all our members who are on on the line, you know, it will be in the bulletin. So our bulletin is on the website as well, so you can see what all the members are up to, and some of so active, Leslie, it's just unbelievable the amount of shows they put on, incredible. Uh, one so of it's well worth joining the because the community is very active. That's what I've. It is. Discovered. Yeah, it is. Um, some of our members are over in Gibraltar over the year end. Uh, quite why we're going to Gibraltar, I don't know, but have some, someone's got some connections over there. I think that's uh, Philippa Beale. But yeah, so there's lots of things going on. Yeah, it's a very active society. And, um, and that's great because artists need community. They do, they do. I mean, I, you, you, your society, well, your group, 
tends to head in a different direction, but ours is really all about exhibiting and the drawing days, getting to know each other. And I, I, I think it's providing people a, a platform to show their art off. And it's so needed, so needed and invaluable. So I, you know, I really hope that you can get back to what you do very, very quickly because um, it's all well and good, these online exhibitions, but they're not the experience that people really, truly want, um, neither the artist or the or the visitor. So it's lovely that we can do things on broadcast and people can get to know us. And that's a real bonus. That's such a wonderful opportunity that people can get to know us properly. And it doesn't seem like it's all the art world is closed. And I love that aspect of it. But I do really miss the actual going and seeing an exhibition. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. Seeing the art up close. Can't wait for that to come back. Thank you so much, Les. That has been absolutely wonderful. And I could carry on talking to you for hours, but we all do need to eat. <laughs> and maybe go and get a drink. <laughs> so thank you so much. You've been so generous in your sharing and to encourage people to join the SGFA and get involved with the drawing days. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's the camaraderie. Yes, absolutely, Vincent. I think that's the same with Pure. I think it's the camaraderie and what we provide with the positivity um, hopefully it's what um, attracts people to both the both the groups and working together we all love working together um it, it's great so next week i am speaking to gita joshi who um, has just written a book a wonderful book on how to sell your art so um that's going to be exciting and then the week after that i've got sue jelly who was the president of the society of women artists and she's a character and we'll be really thrilled to have a chat to her and then lots of other people coming along so choose put tuesdays in your diary at one o'clock and i'll be here for up until christmas i'll keep going up until christmas and then i'll need another break <laughs> and um any artists watching put the 14th of november in your diary because that's when the next art 360 um applications open and that's exciting as well so people can get back on there apparently we're addictive so <laughs> don't worry we're coming back um yeah so lovely thank you so much les thank you everyone who's been here live asking the questions it's been great i'm really glad to be back on the horse as it were back doing the broadcast i really love them and i miss them and i'll see you all next tuesday and um i can't wait to come and see the next male galleries um SGFA show. Please that it's next year. Hoping. Hoping. Thanks, Les. And thanks okay. everyone. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you all next week. Bye for okay. now. Bye. Bye. Bye.